0: Hey there, listeners. I'm Five Things producer and sometimes guest, Joey Scarillo. The team at Gray and Social Media Week were very excited to bring you another episode of Hashtag Five Things, but due to some scheduling issues, we weren't able to get a new episode out this week. However, in the show notes, we'll have a link where you can sign up for the Five Things newsletter, which is a text version of the topics discussed on the show. If you're a new listener, you may be excited to learn that Gray has another podcast called Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas where we sit down with founders, inventors, and creators like Cecily Strong, Diamond Dallas Page, Joe Lenardi, and more. This week, we're going to replay an episode from the Gray Matter Archive with Jess Davis, the founder of Folk Rebellion. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this one, be sure to subscribe to Gray Matter wherever you get your podcasts. Stay safe, be well, and enjoy the show.
1: I just didn't know that it was my always-on sort of digital life that was making me sick until I went without it. And once I discovered that, I tried to make little changes in my client meetings, writing things with a pen and paper, keeping my laptop closed so I was giving them my full attention, my best creativity. And the CEOs and CMOs and people I was working with weren't having it. And. The aha moment was that I had had this discovery, but nobody else had, and this was five, six years ago, which now digital detox and um, digital well-being is a part of the zeitgeist, but back then it was basically unheard of. So I slowly phased out all of my clients and started my mission, which is to guide the digitally plugged in and screened in more towards a a well-being way of operating with it. So it's not anti-technology, it's just saying that the way that we're using it right now isn't the Best for our creativity, for ourselves, for our homes, the way we communicate, um, and our general well being.
0: Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Grey Matter. Hi everyone,
2: It's John Petrolis. I'm Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Grey. For this episode of Grey Matter Podcast, we're going to have Dan Bennett, who's our Worldwide Chief Innovation Officer, interview Jess Davis, who's the founder of Folk Rebellion. Now, Folk Rebellion is the movement where Jess promotes slower living and the more mindful use of technology, which we could probably all use these days. As a formerly plugged-in digital strategist and brand consultant, Jess's fast tech-based career allowed her a unique perspective from the inside out. After over 10 years of helping clients find their digital voices, Jess looked up and realized she had in fact helped create a society that was less present or connected, and she decided to do something about it. So today we'll hear from Jess about how it was necessary for her to have the creative space in her mind and a physical space in nature to develop her idea that led to Folk Rebellion. This is
3: Jess Davis. So let's go back to or let's fast forward a bit back to this folk rebellion idea um, and the the uh, idea behind that. Um, What I'm keen to understand a bit more is the inspiration for it and and where you find that inspiration. I know you well enough to know that um, when you get an idea in your head you dive pretty deep on those ideas right but where do you find those pieces of inspiration and how do you you know, continue to apply yourself to
1: it? Well, Folk Rebellion started out of a need for myself personally. Um, I, you know, when I went off the grid, basically my husband at the time demanded on a vacation that I turn over all of my devices. I was the very successful plugged in New Yorker as this sort of brand strategist for a very long time, coming up with ideas on behalf of brands. And when we landed in Hawaii for a vacation, I took out my phone and texted all my clients because we'd had no Wi-Fi and said, just landed, I'm available. And he was like, You're a shit. I'm not doing this for, you know, the next two weeks with you. And so I turned off everything. I handed it to him. I put an out of office on that said, if you need to get a hold of me, you have to call Glenn.
3: This was when so you were, this is when you were working brand side. Yes. So you were doing digital yeah, strategies.
1: Exactly. And so this was 2014 or 13, yeah. something like that. And so what happened was, eight days later, I had been seeing a bunch of doctors here in New York to try and figure out what was wrong with my brain. I had a general sense of, like, malaise, unwellness, um, severe memory loss, uh, disassociation, brain fog. No one could figure out what it was. And eight days later, which to me is so significant because the average American vacation is less than seven days, right? Um, And it was as if someone had just turned a switch back on on my brain. And so... Like a dog with a bone. I was like, I knew that this is just, it was my lifestyle. It was the technology. And because of my clients, I had this amazing network of people. So I reached out to scientists, futurists, doctors, and I was like, I think I scrambled my brain. And I become obsessive about what does this mean and how can I get other people to uh, understand this in more layman's terms, where I would really like the research and the nerdy stuff. I know that, you know, the average person probably isn't going to pick up this science book over here about neurologically what's happening to us. And um, so I, I just started it like I knew that something needed to happen but I didn't know how it was going to come to life and for me my best ideas happen when I'm in nature so again the bagging college happened in the Adirondacks when I came back from Hawaii I went back to the Adirondacks I lived up there for a week that's where I developed the idea for folk rebellion Um, when I decided to flush uh, we had a lucrative you know, financial stream of t-shirts and apparel that I was doing for Folk Rebellion. And then I was accidentally running a full-blown, like, fashion brand, which was not what this was supposed to be. And so I went back to the Adirondacks and spent a couple weeks up there, and I was like, yeah, no, I need to do it. So for me, um, when I need to be creative, I find that I have to have space, both physical space of, like, surroundings and then space in my brain. So that means, like, shutting everything else down. But for some reason, when I'm up there sitting on a lake and I have nothing else to do but twiddle my thumbs, that's when everything comes rushing in. So that's like
3: there. your, I see, I don't have a lake, but I have a shower. Yeah, I oh, find totally. like, like I get five minutes away from yeah. the life or the kids. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. relate to this and they think that the, the brain starts sparking. Yes. But your point is that your sort of um, refueling from an inspiration point of view is quite geographical. The ability yes. of, to remove yourself so that you can think about yourself.
1: Totally, and not to harp on the tech piece, but some of the greatest ideas in history have happened on a toilet or in a shower or in nature or the woods where there was no technology. And so as this stuff grows and becomes uh, wearable and put in the shower and cell phones go on toilets now with us, like. Uh, my concern as a creative is where do we allow that space in people's brains for the next great idea to come in if they're always being stimulated. Um, So I think that's going to be something really important for people that are creators or innovators to one, not always be dealing with FOMO um, and and concern over what the competition is doing, but legit just not just being bored again. Yeah. Um, Because that's where all my ideas come from. So
3: being bored enough to let inspiration in, right? I notice, you know, everybody notices this is a trope, but walking around new york city which um is a is a it, it, however you boil it down it's an inspirational place whether it's inspirational because it annoys the hell out of you because the six train stinks <laughs> or it's inspirational because you know madison square park is in bloom um nobody seems to be noticing it anymore because everybody is heads down in their phone yeah, yeah.
1: Right?
3: i know this is something that you guys Those are got
1: goosebumps yeah <laughs>
3: but this is what you guys are part of trying to help yeah motivate change and it isn't a it isn't anti-technology. No, right?
1: no, it's. Uh, I kind of consider myself like Ralph Nader, the Crusader. Yeah. So I'm not saying technology is bad. I'm like cars aren't bad, but cars without stop signs and uh, age restrictions and yeah. seat belts yeah. are dangerous. Yeah. And I feel the same way about technology. So right now, you know, this thing that was sparkly and awesome, and you know, you, know, you we work in the industry. You have every buzzword. It's innovative. It's disruptive. It, you know, all that stuff. What was, uh, really attention-grabbing for the first 10 years but now we have to kind of t- pause and take stock of yeah. what are the positive what are the negatives and how can we better utilize and make these things um, for us as humans uh, you know I always say it's it's like trying to catch smoke with your bare hands, right? Yeah. We can't study it fast enough. It upgrades, it shifts, we're on to the next thing. Um, even as a digital strategist, you know, I'm out of the game for a couple of years. Technically, there's now 15 new platforms that sure. I didn't ex- exist three years ago. So it's not really about the tech itself. It's about our behaviors in regards to it. So self-regulation and um deciding what we want in our offices and in our homes. And because yeah. once you decide that, it doesn't matter if we're talking about the original MySpace or we're talking about VR or AI. You've decided what works for you, works for your business, works for, you know for your family. Um, and so I'm trying to say time out, guys. Like everybody like pause, look up. And that's a whole another conversation because a lot of people can't because this is forming addictions in ways that we can't possibly understand right now. Um, but take that stock and say, do we need seatbelts? Do we need stop signs? Do the cars need to be made a certain way so that they're safe for the people that drive that are driving them? And um, I didn't see anybody else out there talking about this six years ago. Now it's really nice that there's a lot of other people joining this conversation. Um, I'm not dealing with the stuff on a governmental level or a technology level. My sort of specialty is the user or the human yeah, itself of yeah. making things... Uh, uh, understandable in layman's terms.
3: What's some of the best advice you've got? Is there anything that you can that, that's memorable that you have sort of stuck with you?
1: My friend uh, started a lifestyle brand who I actually thought of when I created Folk Rebellion. 25 years ago a little company you might have heard of called Life Is Good the t-shirt apparel I have and so we were riding in a cab and he said to me he's like the only reason I'm successful is because I failed 80 times and just kept failing
3: Yeah, I want to talk a bit about where you see you yourself folk rebellion your idea in in five years yeah. is that too far we can do a year we can do no, next no week, no
1: i like. i'm actually really clear on this right now because i've just done another full dismantling of everything and taking stock and pausing like right I do. so wait stop okay
3: do you have because what you tapped into <laughs> there's much more interesting than my crappy question do you have to with an idea like yours in particular do you have to break it apart occasionally and clean it out and make sure totally it's fun?
1: totally that's
3: interesting a hundred
1: percent I mean there's so much minutiae right in an idea or a concept or a business or an organization and then there's other people that come in and they have their ideas and their thoughts and then there's experts that you hire and they have their ideas and their thoughts and you continue on and next thing you know it's a year or six months and you're like wait a minute where did I start and I mean you see it when you come up with a concept and it gets watered down to like a, a drop of water when yes. it was this big, you know, pool to yeah. start. So you have to stop. You have to stop. You have to pause and I love taking things apart and then putting them back together again.
3: Okay, Jess. Let's um so we know how we got to here. We know how hard it is to get an idea to here. Let's let's talk a bit about um who helped you get there. So who were your some of your biggest uh, advocates initially?
1: Um there was a lot of people that were researching this and studying this at MIT, um, some colleges and universities that were really interested in the neuroscience, and specifically through the lens of children. Um, their concern of you know adults, they saw were getting very addicted very quickly. Like, what's it going to look like for a three-year-old who has no idea that this is all only 10 years old? Um, we're essentially running experiments on them. So a lot of people in the academic world were very supportive. Um, the Generation Z, or Generation X, sorry, was the most supportive. And the reason, I thought it would be millennials because they were exhausted and wanting something different. But in actuality, it was people who had had a whole life before technology. They'd seen the before. They remember yeah. and they they miss it yeah. and they're scared and they either have kids or are about to have kids and they don't want to leave the world this way. Um, they want them to have the childhood that they had. Right. They want them to learn all the things that they learned prior to the tech yeah. and letting the tech support it. Um, so those were the standouts. And then the CEO of the Wanderlust Festivals, yeah. um, they wandered into my beta test in Brooklyn and he... He, you know, they were known for wellness, you know, food, uh, yoga, mindfulness, and, you know, to talk about technology or digital back then was insane of bringing it into the wellness space, but he just got it and took me and put me right under his wing, and next thing I knew I was speaking at all of their festivals and running workshops, and they were featuring my writing on their website, so I was very lucky to have them.
3: The idea of what else inspires you, so sort of shows and podcasts or music or where do you where do you get the spark from in that regard?
1: Yeah, um, I read a lot. I'm I'm definitely like an analog person. When I when I discovered I'd burn myself out, I had to fall back in love with the tactile and tangible, the experience that I get of reading a magazine or a book. I've got one in my bag right now, and two magazines, uh, entirely different than what I used to do, which was scroll past whatever came up on my yeah. phone. Um, so I read, you know, the Times, the Wall Street Journal. Um, I'm I'm a voracious reader. I have probably six books I'm reading right now.
3: I don't want to give away too much of your secret sauce, but give us one tip. What's the first, like if I've been, I know someone that's very addicted to their phone. Okay. Um, What's a good tip? Give us a tip.
1: So you can't make it about them? That's the first thing, because no one wants to be told what to do or shamed or looked down their nose at. Um, So you have to make it about yourself or collectively, if it's an office or a family, um, and start with feelings and just say, I'm feeling ignored or I'm feeling like we haven't been spending enough time outside. I'm feeling like the team isn't connecting Um, and really then collectively set up a fun sort of challenge and that's the key in all of this is it has to be fun you have to keep it light or people are just going to shut down and then decide what the challenge is going to be is it going to be you know boundaries at night or on certain days is it going to be no email for a week and see if you can take all of your um, work offline and via phone or in person and then for me when you pull that technology away a lot of people don't know what to do with their time anymore and they don't like that feeling of that that boredom in their brain, it's anxiety inducing uh, at this point so you have to put something in its place, it can't be a vacuum and that's for me creative, so provide tools, whether it's paper, pens, uh-huh. painting uh, you've wanted to play, learn to play the ukulele but you never picked one up, like what can you do in that extra hour you're going to get every day and try and make something and the more you put people back in their bodies physically in the actual environment around them um the less pull that those devices have
3: i love it it's brilliant um i also have an idea for you oh um why don't we start a band called nostalgic dinosaur <laughs> right i don't play any instruments totally okay um, but i'm a pretty good mover
1: okay i don't sing i used to play the saxophone and i'm an amazing backup dancer okay. we'll
3: make it work yeah i think oh, so okay. we'll start uh, with the youtube
1: channel well, yeah that's everyone does it
3: <laughs> jess davis thank you
1: thank you so much
2: all right, Dan, thanks for that. That was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, so I've, maybe we'll cover a couple things. So this is, obviously, this podcast is about ideas. And one of the things that I really liked that she was saying was, frankly, how obvious the idea is. Uh, and I mean that as a compliment, that she was living in a world and her life experience was telling her something. And instead of ignoring that or accepting that as, well, this is yeah, everyone knows that because right. everyone knows that. That there's too much technology in yeah. our lives, and we're making ourselves crazy. She grabbed the she grabbed that obvious point, but made it her own.
3: Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a testament to her taking, as you said, almost a layup of an idea and really executing on it, and then taking the core nucleus of that idea, which is, uh, as Jess would admit, very straightforward in many ways. Yes, but off of that firing out these wonderful little executions like of course one of the ways to bring the idea of being offline to life is a newspaper yeah exactly. in a world where newspapers are dying it makes perfect sense in that context exactly that's also the value of a crystal clear idea really scripted, the idea yeah. is so clear that it you is. know
2: what's right and you know what's wrong
3: yes you've landed that and because of that she's able to as you can tell from the conversation she lives it and and breathes it because she knows very clearly what that True North is.
2: Yes. I will you I mean, you know, something you hear me talk about a lot is it um feels surpri- it is surprising but feels inevitable. Yes. It's one of those ideas. Yes. Uh because once you hear it, it's like, yeah, of course. I know. Of course. It's and annoying. of course there's a business to build yes. around this. Yeah. Uh but it's a sign of a great idea. And I think a lot of people there are a lot of great ideas that don't happen or aren't found because they're sitting in front of they're sitting in front of you and you don't recognize because it feels so obvious that, no, no, there's an idea here that yeah. we could run at.
3: Even those ideas that in hindsight seem obvious, as you can tell from Jess's perspective on this, you still need to fight for as well, right? You know, there's yes. still adversity and headwinds in those ideas. But the simplicity in many cases, I think, just helps that idea punch through every single time.
2: So what do you? Th- why do you think this idea has been successful?
3: Yeah, I just think we've entered this period of time where just walking in here into the office today for example i must have bumped into three people heads down in their phone and i am often on the other end of that equation Mm. um so we've hit a point in time where i think she recognizes the need for us to disconnect more so that we can connect more which sounds cheesy but i think it's really true yeah um and i being involved in if you like you know being in the innovation space day in and day out you need that respite sometimes, and I think it's going to lead. Up. I think I think it itself will lead to opportunities for brands that we have yet to uncover, frankly.
2: Yeah. How do people find out more about Folk Rebellion?
3: Folk Rebellion are at Folk Rebellion on Instagram, and then ironically, yes, and Jess would admit this. They also have a web presence, um, but as she would say. You don't need to check on it all that often. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> all right. That's great. Well, thanks. I, I really liked it and enjoyed it. such a, such a cool idea and such a, a clear articulation of it. So Good. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. And thank you all for listening to Grey Matter. For more from founders, creators, and inventors and how they thought up their best ideas, be sure to subscribe to Grey Matter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review and tell your friends, too. Follow Gray's social pages for more information about Gray and new upcoming podcast
0: episodes. And in the words of Jess, take it easy and offline. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petroulis, produced by Graham Nolan, Christina Torres, and Joey Scarillo. Mixed at Townhouse Studios, Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.